VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DOUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful city of Angels. It's sunny outside. Some disputing whether or not it's 80 or 75 degrees. Regardless, it is just stunning outside. Spring has arrived. Baseball season, NBA recruitment season, NFL season. Meanwhile... It's no longer honeymoon season in Houston. Congratulations, Houston Rockets. You have arrived in the Western Conference Finals on a crash course with the Golden State Warriors. You wished for and got what you wanted. But uh, the real challenge in marriage, and you're listening to someone who's spent 17 and a half, 17 and three quarters years behind the wheel of the marriage car, is not when you first get married. Dude, that's great, right? Everybody chips in and gets you all the best gifts, gives you some cash, right? And even if, you know, you took the car for a test drive before you drove it off the lot, the truth is it's got that new car smell and you want to ride that car as much as possible. Huh? Huh? You know. No, 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 listen. At some point, the shocks on that car are not going to be as stiff. At some point, it's no longer a new car. And riding it, eh, 
You've ridden in it before. You like it. It's a good car. You'd like to continue riding. It's a good car. But 17 and a half, 18 years in that car, that it's not the same. The challenges to marriage are, hey, now you got a mortgage. Hey, now job, real job. Like, not first job out of college. You know, a job that you might not love, but you definitely need. Wife has a new job. Maybe a boss she doesn't really like. One that's not understanding that you guys have kids. Sure, you didn't just have kids, but now you got kids and schools and relationships. And, oh, yeah, by the way, even after kids, you know, go to sleep in their own big boy and big girl bed, oftentimes it gets worse and they're out of their bed and they're up and they're watching TV. And you're like, yo, I thought I had a break once I got you night-night bed, night-night bye-bye time. The the real challenge in, in marriage is after it's been a while, right? It gets real. It's not fun and games. The money that people gave you on your wedding day ran out. The gifts have all been used or returned, and even those credits have been used. It be- can become a little bit mundane. Now it becomes real. Now it's for the rest of your life. As long as you shall live till death do you part. You're like, man. I'm not saying it's as big a challenge as when you age and one is sick and you have to care for one another, or a hip goes, or there's a car accident. No, 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 I'm not talking about that type. I'm talking about real marriage, right? There is a difference between living together and being married, and there's a difference between being just married and being married. Right? That's what the Rockets are going to experience here over the next couple of weeks. Starting Monday, they're really married. Starting Monday, James Harden's lack of desire to play defense becomes problematic. The fact that the Warriors like to play a style of small ball, which could make Clint Capella, who's super important, super effective, relatively unimportant and ineffective, becomes an issue. And look, you're not going to find a bigger Chris Paul fan in all of basketball. Anybody who analyzes basketball you will not find a bigger Chris Paul fan. I said it last night on Twitter, and I'll say it into a microphone today. He plays the way I wish I would have. He leads a team as a true point guard, but finds time to score. And when push comes to shove, he's going to try and make the big play because he has an incredible amount of self-confidence. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he competes as hard at the defensive end as he does the offensive end. Chris Paul is my favorite point guard in the NBA. This from a guy who played the position, studies the position, feels like he knows the position better than anybody else. All that said, this is first Western Conference Finals. James Harden's been here before, obviously been here and gotten to the finals, going back to his days with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but he wasn't the lead dog. And the challenges weren't as stiff. Doesn't feel like a matchup that favors them. And while they do have home court advantage, Think about this. If they lose a game at home, Warriors haven't lost a game at home in the playoffs in a couple of, in, in like a year and a half. Right? Two years. 15 in a row at home. Is that right? You do the math. That takes you back a couple seasons. 
They haven't lost at home since they lost Game 7 at home to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Since then, they're like, nah, we don't feel like losing at home, ever. And so with that in mind, look, I'm interested in the Houston thing. I don't think they're better than the Warriors, but I do think they're closer. You have Chris Paul's nemesis in Steph Curry. He struggled to guard Steph Curry. Kevin Durant is kind of a Swiss Army knife defensively. He fits kind of every position. I do think the matchup favors the Warriors, not just the fact they've been there before, but the fact that they can stretch Capella out. Even if their bench isn't as good as it's been, their their death lineup is deadly, especially against the four-out, one-guy rolling style of the Houston Rockets. All that said, Rockets can score, can score in bunches, at the best record in the NBA, and no one knows how good they actually are. No one knows if they really have taken that other step. This is what marriage is really like. Now you have to deal with the fact that James Harden not guarding anybody, it's, it's not like when Donovan Mitchell, rookie, goes by you, right? Donovan Mitchell goes by you like he was going by James Harden. He's going to score some. He's going to miss some. Kevin Durant goes by you, he's scoring. Steph Curry goes by you, he's scoring. Any of these guys go just dribble around James Harden as others have been prone to do, it's more likely to end up in a wide-open three or a wide-open dunk with the way the Golden State Warriors play as opposed to what the Utah Jazz were doing. Remember, they played the Utah Jazz who didn't have their starting point guard and lost Gordon Hayward in the offseason. They played the Utah Jazz that had a starting center who was a bigger and maybe even better version of what they have with the matchup. Those guys end up crossing each other out. Not at all like what Golden State is. This is kids. This is a mortgage. This is, man, now all of a sudden we'll face some adversity. Now all of a sudden some people don't think we're the favorite even though we have home court advantage. Now, all of those tedious things that you let pass during the season, from the fans showing up late, to the shot selection, to the over-dribbling, to the lack sometimes of defensive awareness from your best player, that stuff becomes... my, my, My example I use is that I snore. I didn't just start snoring. I've always snored. Maybe it's gotten worse, or maybe my wife pays attention to it more now. Because the house is quieter. Our kids are asleep and we have more time to kind of together. Whereas with, with previous jobs, I would come home late, eat late, watch hoops late, watch football late, come to bed, she'd already be asleep, and maybe she didn't know. But those things, that stuff doesn't change. It just becomes more pronounced the longer you're together. All your idiosyncrasies, leaving the cap off the toothpaste, becomes a bigger deal the longer you're together. Honeymoon season's over for the Rockets. Congratulations. Celebrate. You're moving on to the Western Conference Finals, but you didn't move mountains. Trade away half a team to get to Chris Paul to come up short to the Houston, to come up short to the Golden State Warriors. The road ahead is bound to take some unexpected turns. Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at farmers.com. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Look, uh, analytics stuff is 
great, great when you have a huge sample size, right? 82 games, analytics work. Does it work in a seven-game series? And, oh, yeah, by the way, against a team that has used analytics as well to their strength but knows how to win those seven-game series. We'll take a fascinating look at it as Zach Harper joins the show upcoming next. I'll ask him about Rockets Warriors. I'll ask him about can the Celtics close out the Sixers tonight. Want to ask him what he would do if he was Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. Would he consider moving on? And um, we'll get his sense of LeBron James. Is it more fun to possibly come up short when a team is completely built and dependent upon you as opposed to trying to build another super team in a place like, say, Los Angeles? That's upcoming next on the Doug Gottlieb Show. There's a better way to buy home insurance with Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer, too. Get a custom quote and a great rate all online. See for yourself how much you could save at Progressive.com. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Zach Harper joins us. Have you, have, I'm, I've always been a Chris Paul guy. Uh, are you a Chris Paul guy? I love Chris Paul. I get the antics. I get the complaining and people who don't like all that stuff. I am a point guard nerd. I love watching Chris Paul do just about anything on a basketball court. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm the same. Um, I also, I struggle to appreciate how good James Harden is. You know, some of it's the defense. Some of it is, some of it's the, 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 the flopping and the head jerking and whatever. And some of it is just the over dribbling of a basketball. I, un, I, the crazy thing is, there are a lot of similarities between the two. I think the dissimilarity would be uh, the de- the defensive acumen of Chris Paul. Where are you with James Harden in terms of your level of appreciation for his talent? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the way that Harden has kind of corrected the defensive stuff over the last couple of years. He's still not a great defender, and Rockets fans want you to know, like, hey, he's a really good post defender. Well, I mean, how many shooting guards, <laughs> guards getting posted up every like twenty times a game, right? Like, I, that, that doesn't really matter to me, but. He defended really well in this Jazz series. Um, I think he's become an acceptable defender at this point, if not a little bit better. And and so that kind of helps me with that aspect of it. But with, with him, you know, last year he did so much to correct just the aesthetics of it in terms of he wasn't hunting fouls in, in you know, such a cheap manner and everything. And it, and it made me really appreciate that, especially like first year under D'Antoni. Like it just looks so good. This year, especially as the playoffs have started and everything, He's hunting out those cheap fouls a little bit more. He did it a lot in that Utah series, and it, and it, it, you know, it kind of hit me a little bit in a way where I was like, "Ooh, this isn't as fun to watch," but I still, I still do enjoy him a lot. Okay, so um, my thought is like, look, all that other stuff was cute. All that other stuff was, you know, uh, essentially like the honeymoon period. Now it's like real marriage. Now, now we right. really, really find out. How do you think they match up with the Golden State Warriors? I'm struggling with this. I really am because I I actually think the way they approach offense, it's not the way every team should, it's not the way any team should do it in terms of facing the Warriors. Like I think you need ball movement and you need to be able to move that defense side to side and get them out of position and get them a little confused. But with the way the Rockets can do it with James Harden and Chris Paul in those ISO heavy you know attacks with the floor spread. I actually think that might be the way to do it because they're so good at hunting out those switches. But I, that, that's what listen, listen. That's what beat that's what beat the Warriors 
a couple of years ago, right? Is you find right. the switches, you find, you know, Steph Curry, you make Steph Curry play defense more than he wants to. You know, they want to switch everybody else. The problem, my my biggest issue with Houston is so much of what they do is built around Capella defending the rim, Capella rolling to the rim, and I think he struggles uh, for about 30 minutes each game because that when, when Golden State goes small, there's no one he can guard. Right, that's a tough thing. And so he just outplayed Rudy Gobert in a series, and I think a lot of people are in play, outplayed Carl Anthony Towns before that. So those are two things where people are like, hey, Clint Capella, up-and-coming guy, like he needs respect, all this stuff, and I agree with it, but the difference he had against those two guys is he's stronger than Towns, and he's stronger, more balanced than, than Gobert. And so that allowed him to have these little advantages on the offensive boards with you know his position inside and all that. He's not going to be stronger than Draymond Green. So how does he deal with that matchup? Now, he'll be taller, he'll be longer, he'll be more athletic. But when he's not stronger than Draymond Green, how does he adjust to that? I just don't know what that adjustment is for him to remain hyper-effective against the Warriors. Now, that may look really dumb in a week, but that's my drawback with him in this matchup. You know, there's it's, it's interesting. I made this mistake to start the show, and I'm going to kind of not necessarily retract it, but reset it. Uh, Zach Harper joining us. He's got his own podcast. He's a fabulous writer as well. Uh, uh, what would you say? I'm sorry. Back back to back is the podcast. Uh, he joins us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, as much as we make this, we make it all about, well, did they make the right decision to go get Chris Paul? But what happens if the Warriors lose to the Rockets, right? Like one title to get Kevin Durant doesn't seem like fulfilling their destiny is 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 it possible that we're looking at this series completely the wrong way and that just as much of the pressure is actually on the Warriors? Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's I, I actually agree. I think all the pressure is always going to be on the Warriors. Now, the, the Rockets need to prove that they that all the success and the moves that get Chris Paul and all this stuff, that, that it does make them a true title contender, right? Because that's been, I guess, the hesitation throughout the season of really accepting them as, hey, this is the elite team in the league because they won the most games and all this stuff. Um, but the the Warriors are always going to have the pressure of it's title or bust for like LeBron and for the Rockets. Like it's going to be, can you measure up to the Warriors, which that ultimately probably means winning a title when you do, but for the Warriors, it's not only title or bust, it's you got to prove that you're still like by far the best team because you have such a talent advantage by bringing in Kevin Durant. So it might not even be enough that they beat the Rockets and then beat LeBron. If that's the, if that's the path for them, they have to kind of beat them up and embarrass them because otherwise, if they're just sneaking by, it does diminish what they're doing a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. All right, let's get to tonight. You have Sixers and Celtics. Uh, the series, at least on some level, turned when T.J. McConnell was was installed as point guard, which moved uh, Ben Simmons off the basketball. Was that a blip? Was that just you know a team winning a home game? because a bench players inserted into the starting lineup, or did they really find something there? I mean, I think they found something in that, you know, some part of the problem with some of these, you know, really initiating heavy teams, like, like the Thunder, where Russell Westbrook, you know he's initiating everything on offense, or the Wizards, like John Wall is initiating almost everything on offense, right? Is that it becomes much easier to game plan for, even though those guys are, are incredible talents and incredible, you know, production guys, because you know... Everything is going to start at this point, and then you defend from there. By moving Ben Simmons off the ball a little bit, even if, even if he's not a, you know, 
he's not even if he's not. He's not a floor spacer, and he's not a he's not great at cutting to the basket. Like he doesn't cut to the basket and, and impose his will physically as much as he should off the ball. But I think he'll get to that point. But you're just not building a wall against Ben Simmons every single time down the floor. So it's a different look. And I you know whether that's T.J. McConnell or whether that's you know Markel Fultz in a couple of years or whatever that ends up being, I just think it's a smart adjustment. Period. Because I don't think you want so much of this offense starting with one guy every single time down no, the floor. No, I, I, I agree. And not only do you not have it starting with one guy, but McConnell's a, McConnell's a better on-ball defender, especially when you have a smaller point guard like Terry Rozier. Scary Terry's you know, cutting them up. And he's a ball mover on offense, right? Like he, yeah. like he, he might have had 19 points, but that was, he was open for a reason, and he, he wants to move that basketball. I'm intrigued because I think the Celtics, frankly, overachieved in those first three games and and I I wonder if this thing could be forced to seven if the Sixers can find a way tonight. Let's get to the Cavaliers. Um, look, I, I start with the premise that I think LeBron comes to LA. I have no not most of my Laker guys don't know for a fact that he's. They have really have no idea. Uh, I also think he likes to feel the love from other people. I'm just wondering if the way the the amount of attention and affection LeBron is getting because of the success of this team and his statistical dominance, do you think that if they lose to the Warriors in the finals or lose to the Rockets in the finals, do you think that's enough to keep him in Cleveland? No. I think the only way that he stays in Cleveland is if he views the land, it's not you know the landscape, and it's not easy to get to Houston, or, it's, or he's not getting the guy he wants to come to, to L.A. with him, or or he just feels like the Sixers aren't ready, or whatever that other option is, if he looks and he's like, this isn't a slam dunk for me. This isn't the definite option that I want or the definite setup I want. So I'll just do another one-and-one. One. I'll opt out, I'll sign a one-and-one, and, one, and yeah, I get to keep Dan Gilbert's franchise hostage one more year. That's a nice little petty thing for me to do. He's got to go through all this for the next year of are we going to keep him and what do we do with trading assets and bringing in players to this team and everything. And so I think he gets to play that game a little bit more. So I don't think it's a a foregone conclusion that he's leaving Cleveland because I think those possibilities exist. I still think it's like 90%. Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio. There's a lot of discussion about Russell Westbrook. What do you do if you're Oklahoma city? You really, you know, you've really kind of painted yourself into this corner of, of franchise culture with him, right? Everything sort of caters to Russ and with the tree that Sam Presti has come from, that's not really what, what you would expect, but that's kind of where the, the Thunder find themselves. And, you know, I think that there have been some issues with Scott Brooks and some issues with Billy Donovan from coaching standpoint in terms of how they manage minutes, how they manage rotations, how they implement offense and scheme and all this stuff. And so I don't think you can absolve them of everything because Russ is potentially difficult. But I also think Russ doesn't set up a, a culture where he is going to run a system. He is the system, right? And that's and that's a difficult thing to do when you're a point guard who can't shoot from the outside, and and when you dominate the ball so much, and when it has to be your way or no way, and it's just that doesn't usually yield championship results, and that's what the goal should be for them with a guy as good as Russ is. I, so, I, I understand all that, but what do you? My, my back to my original question is, what do you do, right? Because you want to be the guy who trade away James Harden, lost Kevin Durant. Trade away Victor Oladipo, trade away Serge Ibaka, trades away Russell Westbrook. 
I mean, no, I, like, I mean, you you have to have a very good relationship with the owner in order to survive that. Okay, so you're not trading. No, you, and, and, and I think it's, and I don't think you can trade him because how do you how do you possibly assess you know even decent value for for return of Russ? I don't know. It's, it's, it's like there's, great, no, there's no way. Like because even if you even if you trade for a draft pick, a high draft pick, the best you can the, the best you pick. can hope for is a player as good as Russell Westbrook, right? Oh, that, that's the that is that, that's the dream, scenario. and that's probably yeah. not going to happen. Right, exactly. You're, let's let's say just for for argument's sake, they're the team with the number one and number two pick in this draft, in this loaded draft, and you can go get DeAndre Ayton, and you can go get Luka Doncic to rebuild your team, and all you got to do is give up Russell Westbrook. Is that even close to fair value? Like, no. there's... There's potential in that return. There's a lot of potential in that return. And you can sell that from a PR standpoint. But in terms of actual value that you can tangibly feel right away and make people feel good about, like, no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's, that's realistic at all. I tend to agree with you. Uh, last thing, Brad Stevens does not win Coach of the Year, and it ain't even close. Uh, Isaiah Thomas even tweeted out, no way in hell Brad Stevens isn't Coach of the Year. He's the best coach in the NBA, of course. Somebody should tell Isaiah Thomas he didn't play for Brad Stevens this year. Yikes. Yikes, he continues to step in it. Um, <laughs> why, why do other NBA coaches not have the affinity for Brad the way that we have an affinity for Brad? Yeah, it's, it's weird because you look at the, all the candidates who receive votes, right? And, I, and I've said like this whole time, hey, there are like eight or nine candidates that are, that are worthy of Coach of the Year this year. Like it's, we've had a really incredible coaching, Coach of the Year race in that way. But he was the only one out of those guys who didn't receive any votes. I don't know if that's a jealousy thing. I don't know if that's just a miscalculation. Maybe it's just random. But it does seem that there's a disconnect between him and some of the other coaching elites in the league. And maybe that's still a he has to earn his stripes in the playoffs or something along yeah, those well, lines. But, yeah, but they, they, you give it, you won't, how can you say, like, listen, I understand. But you have people that are like, man, he's gotta, we got to win something at some point. Like, you just voted Dwayne Casey Coach of the Year in the he ain't one well, right, squat. Right. I give you Dwayne Casey. Well, isn't it interesting? Like we, if you make an adjustment to an existing core and their attack, it's like, wow, what a great coaching job. If you make up for like all these injuries, like Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich lost his best player, a top five player in the league for all but nine games this year. And those nine games, he wasn't that, he wasn't that good. And, and Greg Popovich still got his team to the playoffs around LaMarcus Aldridge and Rudy Gay. And we're like, he's not going to win coach of the year. Brad Stevens loses Gordon Hayward, loses Kyrie Irving. They get the two seed. They're you know going probably going to conference finals, and it's not oh, Brad Stevens not getting coach of the year. Maybe it's just an asinine way that we view coaching. Like I, I also don't think we know what we're talking about with coaching. Now coaches may, but but I don't think I don't think a lot of us do anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've heard both sides of it. I do think that in the things that and look, some of it is postseason. Uh, there, there's some, there's a difference in postseason and regular season. I do think Dwayne sure. Casey did some great things in adjusting their offense and they were a really good regular season team and they were not perfect. Uh, and yet they still had the number one seed, but I've seen, we've seen that from Brad Stevens last year. So I, I don't know the whole thing's whole thing's fast, fascinating. Download his podcast, follow him on Twitter, go to fan rag sports. You want to read some of his work as well. He's the one and only Zach Harper. Uh, Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Continue to enjoy your work and enjoy the playoffs. Anytime. Thanks, Doug. All right. Pleasure is mine. Let's bring in the great Deb Carson. Doug. 
What do you got, Deb? Well, uh, let's start with the NFL. The league did hear and deny Saints running back Mark Ingram's appeal on his four-game suspension for PED use. His agent claims that he had a proper use exemption for the substance he used, but if it's not overturned by an arbitrator, he'll sit out games against the Buccaneers, Browns, Falcons, and Giants before being eligible to return to the Saints' active roster That's October called the, 1st. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. You know, eh, believe yeah. you, maybe not. What, uh, what, what? Do we know what this, what this, what the substance? Was? I have not seen uh, the specific, looking. but I will, I will hunt for that. Though. All right, go for it. Um, NBA news: Boston Shane Larkin not playing tonight in Game Five against the Sixers. Jalen Brown is going to play. He's going to remain on a minutes restriction. Uh, tip off for that Game Four coming up tonight, eight Eastern on TNT. Celtics lead the Sixers three games to one. Raptors coach Dwayne Casey's been named Coach of the Year by the National Basketball Coaches Association. Association. Now, this is a different award than the Media Selection NBA Coach of the Year Award. That one comes out late June. And a very Mets day, by the way, in Cincinnati. Nodded at one apiece, bottom of the 10th. Ramos to the belt. Kicks and fires. A long ball. Hit to left field, and it's gone. Walk it off, Adam Duvall. A 10th inning home run that breaks a 1-1 tie. And the Reds take two out of three from the Mets. Final 2-1 and 10 innings. Reds over the Mets on the Reds radio network. Just a note during this one, a uh, yeah. new, new low for the Mets. They batted out of order in the first inning. How does that happen? I don't know. Uh, you learn in Little League, you hand in the card, you hand in the lineup, and you bat in that order. So, uh, and, and also, for those who haven't heard, disgruntled former Mets starter Matt Harvey, now a member of the Reds, uh, swapped for catcher Devin Mezzarocco. Yeah, they just they they took anybody want Matt Harvey. Please take Matt Harvey. Please take Matt anyone, Harvey. Anyone? We're we're running out of booze in Matt Har- in New York. You, you think New York could never run out of booze? Matt Harvey was like, well, well, maybe. Well, let's see. Maybe they'll be running out of booze in, in Cincinnati. All right. So, so uh, music. You and I were we were talking about this story going back an hour and a half ago or so, right? So, tell me how this went down. So they submitted a lineup card. And then they wanted, I guess their intention was that they were going to then submit a separate lineup card. A double secret lineup card? Uh, uh, yeah, apparently they were making a change, but they didn't officially do it. So then they were batting in accordance with how they wanted that card that never got actually submitted. So then that wasn't what they had down officially. So that's why they were batting out of order. Because they messed up the paperwork, I guess is how you would say it. And and so the the penalty is an automatic out. Correct. But then you get to you have to go back and bat the way you're supposed to bat, or do, what, how did that how does that work? Uh, that's a good question. Let me double check. I, I mean, I I know you obviously have to go back to whatever you finally submitted, but what you're asking is it's an automatic out. So the person who was supposed to bat, do they ever get to bat? I just it's such just such a Mets thing, right? Uh they gave the they they gave the umpires the wrong batting lineup. That's apparently what happened. Gave the wrong like, oh sorry, wrong one. So uh by the way, we got stomped last night in uh in our little league playoff. Run ruled thirteen to two. A team we had two uh walk off losses to in the regular season. They threw two pitchers out there. We couldn't hit it all and our kids were booting it all over the infield. Oof. It was a rough night at uh, at Bob Henry Park last night. Whoa, uh, good to be in the losers bracket though, because I think we'll get a little little bit of reprieve. Kids get their confidence back. Woo, 
rough night. Uh, inspired by the great work teachers do each day, Farmers Insurance created Thank You America's Teachers to give back to our communities by awarding over $1 million in educational grants in celebration of Teachers Appreciation Month. Farmers invites you to thank your teacher to qualify them for a grant. Visit thankamericasteachers.com. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Today. Today, Robbie. So, yeah, it says here they posted a lineup card that had Wilmer Flores batting second with... It was the top of the first inning. Yeah. The Mets batted out of order and forfeited a runner in scoring position. The game started with uh, Brandon Nemo and uh, Wilmer Flores striking out as Drupal Cabrera hit a ground rule double to left field before Jay Bruce batted out of order and was called out. So they had a runner at second base, two outs, first inning. According to uh, Anthony DeComo, who writes for MLB.com, the umpires were given a lineup card with Cabrera batting second and Flores batting third. Reds manager Jim Riggleman waited until Cabrera reached second base to inform the umpiring crew. Nice work by Riggleman. Right? Riggleman's like, mm, wait, they did. They're like, no, just wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Double. Okay, now I'll go. Bruce was the third out of the inning, catcher unassisted. Cabrera was credited with the double in the official ruling, but it was taken away by the by the official score. So Cabrera doesn't get a hit. 0 for 0 with no official at bat. Bruce is 0 for 1. The Mets intended for Flores to hit second and Cabrera to hit third. Adrian Gonzalez was allowed to start the second inning. Wow. So they had to go back to the original lineup, I guess, is, is how they had to do it. The lineup cards were briefly removed from the scoreboard at Great American Ballpark in the top of the third inning. Mets manager Mickey Calloway went to check with the umpires about how to bat his lineup in the inning. Cabrera was on deck in the, to hit in the second inning after uh, after Nimmo led off the third inning with a triple to right field, Cabrera gave the Mets a one nothing lead. The crazy part about it is they they had you know they gave away the chance at a run, but they still had a one nothing lead and they lose in a walk off in the tenth. In the things you don't see every day, that sort of confusion. That to me, Doug, is a fireball to me offense by a manager to turn it or to turn in the wrong lineup. This is Major League Baseball. This isn't Little League. I, I understand. I mean, I understand. you can't listen, do things like that. What if that was... Yeah, but listen, guys Guys, guys sign the wrong scorecard in, in baseball. It, I mean, in, in golf. golf. That's in golf. the only thing I can think of that you can mess up on. What about football, NFL? They don't turn in the lineup, do they, for that? No, no, but they... they ha- like, look, you, there's... Chad Ochocinco kind of famously was covered up covered up a, a tight end and cost, cost the Patriots a touchdown. It's one of those things that... One of the reasons Chad Ochocinco didn't work in New England was he he couldn't he wasn't he wasn't football smart enough. Chad Ochocinco in like real life is pretty savvy, pretty smart, street smart, smart guy, but he couldn't think. And he uh, famously covered—I forget if it was Gronk or who it was—he covered up a tight end, and they had a touchdown called back because of it. Uh, but I can't think of an administrative error would only be like if you didn't, you know, you had a tackle eligible and he didn't stop the talk to the official. Yeah, what were you thinking of? This is the first inning, though. I mean, that's that's what's crazy about this. You've just turned in the lineup. Well, I mean, I can understand if you're trying to do something savvy, you know, midway through the game or something. I don't think, but I don't think there was gamesmanship. I think it was just miscommunication. <laughs> I think they were going to do one thing, and then they decided to do another, and they, you know, 
don't know. Maybe they didn't go down to Dick's Sporting Goods and get the, the you know, you have the lineup that's a white. <laughs> then you have the the, the, the yellow slip, the yellow slip behind it. Yeah, lineup card. <laughs> it had to happen to a team like the Mets, exactly. Too, right? Like this doesn't happen to the Yankees. No, then have the Red Sox. Then have the Dodgers. It's totally okay? Mets. It's a it's a Mets thing. Yes, like, this is the kind of thing that would happen to the Mets. Might happen to the White Sox or in football the Browns. The Browns. This is a very Browns. Yeah. Remember the Vikings. Was it two years in a row that they didn't get their draft card in in time? Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So this, and they got this, jumped. Yes. Yes. Like, what? Well, you're not ready? Okay, we're moving on without you. That's a that's an all timer. To lose the game makes it a lot, and to lose the game by a run when you had a guy at second base. Right. Man. Anyway, thanks, Deb. You bet. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Keep your engine light in check with the AutoZone Fix Finder service that helps you troubleshoot the problem. Let's get you what you need. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Zone. Draymond Green has been waiting to play the Rockets all season long. Real news or fake news? We'll tell you next. Other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. But it's just that. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Shaq versus Chuck. We will discuss top of the hour. I'll tell you whose side I am taking. Shaq does that annoying, that that annoying, Google me, look at my ring, right? Um, but he does make a good point. Not the Google me doesn't he didn't he didn't need to Google me. He didn't need to Google me. But he he does actually make a good point. The Google me and uh, check out my ring is not the good point. Uh, we'll talk about it top of the hour. This is game time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. The road ahead is bound to take some unexpected turns. Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Deb Carson, what's D- the game today? Doug Gottlieb, we are playing... Real news, fake news. After last night's win over the Pelicans, Draymond Green said he's excited to play the Rockets so they can, quote, silence the haters. Real news, fake news. Uh, that feels like fake news. You are fake news. Indeed, he said. Man, we won two championships in three years. We're not about to run off talking about how bad we want to play somebody. Like We want to win another championship. And it don't matter who's in the way of that. If you're in the way of that, then you happen to be in the way. But... You know, we're not about to run around like, yeah, we want to play them in the conference finals for what? Like, it don't matter to us who we play. However, we got them. All right, now let's get it. Let's We get to it now. Draymond also said they have made it known that their team is built to beat us. Yeah. I, I don't, I, it would be, it would be stupid to, to, to construct a team otherwise, right? <laughs> yeah. No, we did not. We, yes, the Warriors have been in three straight finals. We did not build our team to compete with the Golden State Warriors. All right, moving to the NFL, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes told the MMQB that his former teammate Alex Smith was a great teammate. He was always helping me whenever I did something he thought he could help me improve on. That sounds like real news. They're real and they're spectacular. Indeed, Mahomes said he's an awesome guy and a true pro. Went on to say that whenever I did something he thought... Uh, he could help me improve on. That is just the type of leader he is. We have a great relationship still going forward. I've, I've, I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about Alex Smith. Never. Never heard anybody say mm-hmm. a bad thing about Alex Smith. Through the bad times in San Francisco to the good times, 
Even when he was replaced by Colin Kaepernick, he never heard a bad word. Then he went to Kansas City, had his best season as a pro, and now is in uh, is is with the Redskins. It's interesting because that's not the feeling you get with Kirk Cousins, right? Just not. Like, Kirk Cousins is one of those guys that I think people like. Like, I like him, but he's never loved and he's never embraced in D.C. for whatever reason. Going to be interesting to see if they can actually improve, whereas, um, you know, production-wise, kind of the same guy. And if anything, Cousins throws the ball downfield more. Well, staying in the NFL, free agent receiver Brandon Marshall is reportedly visiting with the Cowboys today. Real news, fake news. I'm going to say that's fake news. You are fake news. That's right. He's meeting with the Seahawks. The 34-year-old was recently released by the Giants after hauling in just 18 catches for 154 yards in five games last season. Meeting with uh, the Seahawks. The the Brandon Marshall I know. Remember, Brandon Marshall, as said, he's, he, he suffers from multiple personality disorder. Yes. The Brandon Marshall I know I like. Okay, But the Brandon Marshall in locker rooms is not a good enough football player anymore and can be divisive. Can be divisive. I don't think that's a good idea for a Seahawks team that's trying to get younger and trying to get more united. You mean the Brandon Marshall who used to punt footballs uh, when they were thrown to him in Denver? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, and we go to the Miami thing and how it at what you know things he said about the Jets when he became a Giant and the Giants were bad. I just I don't I think he's washed up. Um, it's it's a hard sport once you lose a step or two. But and I also think that he he's a little bit too smart and too well spoken for his own good. Yeah. Well, this might be my favorite story of the day. As recently as a year ago, Ichiro did not know who Patriots quarterback Tom Brady was. Real news, fake news. That sounds like real news. They're real and they're spectacular. (laughs) During spring training in uh, 2017, Ichiro told the coaches about one message he'd received from a number he didn't recognize. The guy said he'd gotten Ichiro's number from Alex Rodriguez and that he wanted to come meet him and study his stretching system. What's the guy's name? Asked one of the coaches, Ichiro, scrolled down to the end of the text. Some some guy named Tom Brady. Who the F is Tom Brady? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that That is amazing. <laughs> That's hey, get out there and press. That was the press. The interesting thing is, like, Ichiro is one of these guys that's not particularly well-liked, right? Doesn't want to leave the Mariners organization. Wants to play, but they don't want to play him but doesn't want to retire, which is kind of Tom Brady doesn't seem to want to retire, although he's awesome. And then you have Alex Rodriguez is one of those guys that was super talented, but nobody really liked. Like all those super talented, nobody <laughs> likes guys. They all have, they're all on like one text chain. Right? It's funny. I'd like to hear the drop, by the way, of uh, him saying, who the F is Tom Brady? Who the F is Tom, Tom Brady? And I'd love to, love to hear Nitro's accent. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to, you don't have to baby your star players do you is like is that the way you win is that what the argument was between barkley and Shaq? we'll pick sides next in the doug gottlieb show fox sports radio what up doug gottlieb show fox sports radio hope you're having a fine day here this beautiful spring as we just watched zach kozart hit a home run or the Angels, who have a 2 nothing lead over the colorado rockies you know that angels rockies interleague rivalry that is rife with history. Just rife with history. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. So one thing about uh, baseball, like, I don't know how many people are aware. I do think that because the Astros won the World Series, it was the first year to which probably closer to 80 to 90% of people were like, oh, the Astros are in the, uh, in the American League now, right? 
I still don't think everybody knows it. You're like, no way. You know, 50 years in one league, in five years in another, it doesn't just change overnight. But um, what's, uh, what, what's fascinating to me, truly fascinating to me, is that here we are, was it three years in to the evening out of the, uh, how, many, how many years in? And you start to realize what they've done to interleague play. Interleague play used to be really cool. And now it's like there's an interleague series every series because there's 15 on each side, right? You just, you know, the math works out to where you have to have one. And so instead of, hey, every once in a while, the Giants play the A's and the Dodgers play the Angels and the Mets play the, now you got like, all right, we got to find somebody for the Angels to play. Oh, hey, the Rockies are up. But I guess you do. You get, you know, Nolan Arenado, who's a SoCal, although he's playing at home. And Arenado, you get Mike Trout on your own field, day baseball, in uh, in Denver. And, oh, yeah, by the way, another home run for the Angels. That's a, that's a two-run shot. Justin Upton goes yard, plating Mike Trout from first base. And the Angels... Take a 4 nothing lead in the top of the third inning in Colorado. Uh, let's recap last night. The Rockets beat the Jazz. And the Warriors beat the Pelicans. Um, I get, the Rockets game was actually super, super interesting. A lot more competitive than people thought. And the the... The Warriors game, which was a blowout, did get at least, well, it got to within seven. They were the minute 47 or so to go in the game. Draymond hit a turnaround kind of prayer uh, that, that took the game from seven to nine, and that was kind of all she wrote. So what we have is the Rockets against the Warriors, best of seven to, to decide who goes to the NBA Finals from the Western Conference. Eastern Conference, we have the Cavs waiting to see if the Boston Celtics can close out the Sixers tonight. Uh, inside the NBA, uh, they did not win did not win the Emmy Sports Emmy, right? For for best studio show, I don't believe. I think MLB on Fox. The play, I think they won best studio show. Maybe that was just short and serious. Anyway, um That'd be funny if that was a home run, too. I just I, I never watched day baseball, and Pujols hit one that was warning track power. So there was a, a discussion, hell, it was an argument, between Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. And the impetus of the argument was Dwayne Casey and his inability or lack of desire to, whether it's coddle or coach, or what happened with DeMar DeRozan over the series with the Cavs. Take a listen. He's got to repair his relationship with DeMar DeRozan. No, he don't. Uh, yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yeah, you have to, because, uh, listen, that, that, listen, if your best player, you bench your best player. He, Why was he benched? Uh, he, it, that's not the point. That's the point. You don't disrespect your best player. Listen. If you don't have a great relationship with your best player, you're never going to win. That's not true. Uh, he did not. That's point, not true. He did not, well, he, he, in that's your opinion. True. No, just because you say something, it's just That's not true. Me no, and, it's not true. Me and Pat Riley never saw eye to eye. And what happened to my man win? So it's not true what no, you're saying. With your best player. You don't know what you're talking no, about I'm when it comes to championship. I'm just no. telling you something. Stop baby. Wait, wait, care what you that championship. No matter how much you scream, you loud. 
listen. That does not listen, make you right. Listen. You're wrong in the city. You can, and that's yeah, why you yeah, ain't yeah, winning because yeah, you was yeah. a baby. Stop no, babying no, these no, players. I'm not babying no players. You don't play. Uh, no, you don't you play. Know, you got to sit his ass down. Period. Hmm. All right, so here's my takeaway. All right, let me just kind of give you the points of what they were trying to say. Okay, Barkley was saying, like, look, you got to repair that relationship because you, you embarrassed DeMar DeRozan by benching him in the fourth quarter uh, of a couple of these games. You embarrassed him. And whatever his contract is, like, you you got to repair that because you're never going to get the most out of your team until you get the most out of your best player. To that, I agree with. Now, he said you have to have a great relationship with your best player. Shaq said, I didn't have a great relationship with Pat Riley, and I still won a title. In fairness to Barkley, what Barkley was saying is accurate. The best player on that Miami Heat team was Dwayne Wade, wasn't Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq had one great game when the Heat came from, were they down two games to none? Two, two games to none they were down in the fourth quarter, came back and won four games to two against the uh, Dallas Mavericks. In fairness to Barkley, he's right in that Dwayne Wade was the best player. And he's also right in that Shaq's kind of bullying and talking over and saying that he knows. On the other hand, on the other hand, Shaq's right that you don't have to be the best of friends. Context does matter. Okay? If we would say, even if you were going to say that Shaq was the best player in the Miami Heat team, Pat Riley is different than Dwayne Casey. Because Pat Riley has five NBA titles to his name. Pat Riley was also the president of the Miami Heat, so he can say it's my way or the highway. Pat Riley benching somebody is different than Dwayne Casey benching somebody. Dwayne Casey hasn't done bubkiss in the playoffs, and neither and neither has DeMar DeRozan. That was the probably the point that Charles missed is like, look, I hear you. You didn't get along with Pat Riley. You guys still found a way to make it work. But Pat Riley and Dwayne Casey are not close in, in comparison in terms of their resume. Not in the same solar system. Additionally, DeMar DeRozan and Shaquille O'Neal are not in the same solar system. You cannot baby superstars. You have to coach them. You have to be willing to bench them. But truth be told, you got to get more out of them than he was able to get out of DeMar DeRozan. You got to, if they're going to go down firing every bullet in their gun, fine. They will learn in the future. So mostly I agree with, with Charles Barkley in that if, if Dwayne Casey isn't going anywhere, it doesn't appear to be. And I know DeMar DeRozan because he signed that massive contract. He ain't going anywhere. So if Dwayne Casey wants to get the most out of his team and wants to stay gamefully employed – Dude, you you gotta you gotta figure out how to make it work, and you have to you don't have to apologize, but you have to apologize without apologizing. Does that make sense? You don't have to say the words "I'm sorry," but you still have to apologize. You know, you don't have to say the words "I'm sorry," you just have to apologize. Use phrases like "We can do better." We got to find ways to get more out of you. I got to do a better job of getting you more involved. I got to, you know, like, look, personal accountability to it. You do it. And you'll be the better off because of it. 
because it is, and this was the part that Barkley also missed on, because there was yelling and there was screaming and there was all this other nonsense. All this other nonsense. Which is this. Uh, two things. One, Barkley should have said, hey, look, I Barkley, here's one thing, and we'll have, well, I'll text Chuck, we'll have, we'll have Sir Charles on. At some point, he should say, look, I understand that Shaq thinks we should only listen to him because he's won championships and I have not. And that argument always devolves into, and I always devolves into Charles Barkley saying like, hey, look, dude, you were great. Nobody's disputing that you're great, but you did have Kobe. You did have Dwayne Wade. You had some guys helping you there. Instead, what Charles Barkley should say is, look, these are things that I've learned and that I know and that maybe had I done I would have won a championship. Maybe not because it was during the Jordan era and it never happened for me and I wasn't healthy and we were over the hill when I went to Houston. But that's the one thing kind of missing from from Chuck, which is just give a little bit and say, hey, you know what? Had I done these things, had I known these things when I was 30, I would be sitting here with a championship ring, not just sitting here as an all-time great and a Hall of Famer and the best player to never have to have won a ring. That's one thing that's Clearly missing. And, and the and the other part is uh, the other part is understanding that, uh, Charles needs to could have said, hey, look, that's great. And you can say that Pat Riley and you didn't have a good relationship. We know this is a stars league. And remember, remember the year that Pat Riley won an NBA title with Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal. Who was the coach to start that season with the Miami Heat? Ramos, you remember? Music, do you remember? Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy wanted to spend more time with his <clears throat> family. Mm-hmm. Wanted to spend more time with his family. What's the translation there? Look, because Shaquille O'Neal was so hard to manage, so hard to coach, the only guy who could tell him no was somebody with the reputation of a Pat Riley. So it's different when you're Dwayne Casey as opposed to Pat Riley. It's different when you're Dwayne Casey to Phil Jackson. It's different when you're Dwayne Casey to Greg Popovich. It just is. One of the most surprising teams in the NBA right now, excuse me, NBA, one of the most surprising teams in sports right now is an expansion team. Expansion team. How do you go from a bunch of pieces, good parts from other teams, to uh, being one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. Take it to Vegas next. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. So there are very few things that I, I'm not great with the real estate market, right? I'm just not. I mean, I think, did I think that it would... Uh, it would spike up some after 2012. Sure. Did I think it would surpass 2007? Like mm, I waited probably too long, at least in Southern California. Uh, there are some things that I get, some things that I don't get. I got, I, I nailed this Vegas thing. Vegas is not a good, it's a great sports town. And more than anything, Vegas has always wanted something to call home. Vegas to me was a lot like Southern California when I was a kid in that 
when I moved to Southern California, it was 1981. And look, there are some native Angelinos, whatever, and the Dodgers were always here. But it was still like my dad was a New Yorker. Our neighbor down the street was from D.C. You know, other and, and even now, because there hadn't been an NFL team here in 20 years, you have fans of teams from other cities. And uh, I, I think one of the reasons that L.A. sports fans, frankly, are way better sports fans than people give credit for, you know, four million people go to Dodgers games, four million people, three and a half, four million people go to Angels games as well. Lakers. Now you have a brand new soccer team in downtown L.A. You have the Galaxy as well. Like one of the reasons is because um, even though our parents might have moved here from somewhere else, some from Mexico, some from other parts of the country, like if you grew up here, you want something to grab onto your own. Lots of people in Vegas like that, where they're second and third generation um, Las Vegans. And they've always wanted something to call. And, and basketball, UNLV hoops was their thing, but it's fallen on hard times. And so I always thought, Football, like I still think football will be a huge hit. Now, it's still two years away, at least two years away from playing in Vegas. But I knew that the first the first professional sports team, baseball seemed like, man, they'd have to play, a you know, retractable dome, some indoors, some outdoors, a lot of games. Hockey seemed like a little bit of a reach to me, but I did understand the idea of, hey, if you just... You know, give Las Vegas something to call their own, they're going to grasp onto it. You have that kind of sense of, like L.A., people from everywhere else, and then their kids want something to call their own. That's Las Vegas. Or you just have a smaller market like Oklahoma City, like Salt Lake City, like New Orleans, you know, different sizes of smaller markets that they get a professional sport and they, they wrap their arms around. That's what's happened to Las Vegas Knights. What's fascinating about it is, even Vegas, and by the way, we say Vegas, we mean the sports books, stunned by it. It's taken them 10 games to win eight so far, advanced to the Western Conference Finals. James Neal's going to join us, I think, uh, momentarily. Uh, he had a bad connection. By the way, he's the alternate captain. Man. Runner-up, silver medalist. That sucks, huh? Yeah, listen, if he's if if he's maimed or can't get there, I'll be the, is it Mark andre Fleury? Is that who the, the captain is? But anyway, he's the alternate captain. But, uh, you know, really, really f- kind of fascinating. Fascinating on what's happened in a team in year one. Right? They had the expansion draft. I don't even know how the expansion draft worked. They start breaking apart pieces. Um, the whole thing is surprising to me. And here the Las Vegas Golden Knights are. Uh, on the brink of starting the Western Conference Finals, a chance to play for the Stanley Cup? That's crazy. James Neal joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Where were you when you found out you were selected by the Golden Knights? Uh, I was just at home in Nashville. We just uh, finished up playing for playing for the Stanley Cup and obviously losing to Pittsburgh. So, uh, I mean, it was only seven or eight days after the year, so just kind of getting things back in order and getting ready to figure out what I was going to do for the summer. What was your honest reaction? My honest reaction? Well, I'm not going to lie to you, so I can give you an honest, my honest reaction. But, I mean, it's, it's tough regardless. You, you put everything, uh, you know, you got into, the, into the, the team you're playing for, which was Nashville at the time. And, um, you know, I felt like, I, you know, we built something, you know, really special in that city. And 
um, you know, over the three years that I was there, we kept getting closer and closer. And then obviously we're one way, one or two wins away from winning a Stanley Cup. So um, it's definitely tough. But uh, I mean, at the same time, you got to try to take the positive. And, um, you know, when I was selected to Vegas, it was a great opportunity for me to come here and um, grow as a player and, you know, be a guy that was counted on and be a leader. And, um, try to do something special here. So no, listen, listen. Uh, I, I I get all of that. You still didn't give me. Were you? What What would be the word that would describe it? Disappointed? Pissed? What was What was the word? I have to give you. I can only. I have to give you one word. No, I mean just a general feeling. Like you hang up. That your agent calls you, or did the team call you. Who 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 calls you, or did you see it on TV? Were you watching it yeah, on TV? No, uh, George McPhee called me our GM here in, in Vegas. Um, I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to describe in one word. It's it's like a ton of emotions. I mean, he just went from like I said, putting everything you into a team, and then you know they leave you unprotected and you're going. But it's also a business side that I'm obviously familiar with. I've been traded uh, twice, so um, I know the way things work. So uh, you know, I would say I was excited. Um, uh, and to come here and do something great, so. Uh, why not uh, look forward to that and and uh, move on and and uh, go uh, take control of Vegas and have a great year? And listen, you go from Nash Vegas to Las Vegas, right? To where they're they're drinking beer out of a out of a catfish, to where they're drinking you know champagne out of all different sorts of places in Las Vegas, right? Like Nash Vegas is a it can be a really cool Nashville's a really cool town, and they built something special NHL wise there. You go to Las Vegas. What were your expectations in terms of like fan support, attention? What'd you What'd you think when yeah. you first got there? Well, I, I honestly didn't know what to expect. I mean, I was going to Las Vegas. Obviously, when you think of Las Vegas, you think of the Strip, you think of partying, and um, you know, it's you think of kind of craziness. So um, I wasn't sure. There's no. There's never been a sports team here. They've never had a professional sports team. And um, as I came down, and I was looking for a place to live, and kind of going around different spots and eating and, and getting to know people around town and talking to them about hockey. You know, I, I couldn't believe how excited everyone was. So, uh, and then after our first few games and how loud our rink was and um, the passion that people brought to, to the games was uh, was pretty amazing. So um, right from that day on and those games, I uh, you know, I loved it. James Neal joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Of course, you guys had that... Um... Yeah, uh, you, you had an incredible win streak in the middle of the season, where I think everybody's like, "Oh, these these guys are real." When did you feel you've been as and and for people who haven't followed your career? I mean, look, big time organizations, especially the last three Pens, Preds, and now with the Golden Knights. So you know what a winning team feels like. When did when was the moment or the time of the year to which you're like this this dog will hunt? Uh, I mean, our expansion team. You know, right from the get-go, right from our draft, you know, we, we draft a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's won three Stanley Cups. He's going to be our goalie. He's going to be our backbone of our team. Um, we have solid defense and, you know, Nate Schmidt, Braden McNabb, guy who played with in Derek England I played it, played with in uh, Pittsburgh. And then a guy who I've played against lots in Lucas Spiza. These guys are all all great, great defensemen. And then you look up front and guys guy who scored 30 goals last few years in Jonathan March. So a guy I know that I played against in, Riley Smith. I didn't know much about um, Carlson, but you know these guys are great players. And then Eric Holland, uh, my line mates, and Eric Holland, David Prawn, who are, are two great players that 
I've played lots against. So, um, you know, right then and there, I, I knew we'd be solid. So um, there was no reason why we wouldn't be competitive. We wouldn't have a good chance of making the playoffs. Uh, you know, I didn't come here to, to get traded again. I thought, you know, and there's lots of talk before the season. It was like, you know, they were picking a few older guys, a few veteran players that they could unload at the unload at the uh, trade deadline. And, you know, for me, it's, that's not the way I wanted things to work. I wanted to come in here, be a leader, and make this team, uh, you know, a winning team. And um, everybody bought in, and our coaching staff was great, and everybody was uh, great around us. So it was a little bit different when you're coming in and introducing yourself to, to guys, uh, you know, your first day at camp instead of saying, how's, how's your summer, and seeing guys that you've been with the last few years. So that was different, but we all bought into the same the same plan and um you know when guys want to win and they want to do the right things and good things happen and that's how our team's been built and that's how we've been doing so well can, can you answer a layman question for me this is this is probably gonna sound like a really dumb question it probably is okay. um you're an alternative you're you're, you're an alternate captain okay yeah. what's the is that like vice president right do you get you get you have to do all the different stuff that the captain doesn't want to do like what's the what, what what does the alternate captain do as opposed to what the captain does well we don't have a captain then why are you the alternate captain? Well, we don't have a captain, so we, we have a bunch of alternate captains. We have a few. Can't you just have a bunch of captains? That's like having no, a bunch of vice presidents and the no president. Exactly. It doesn't work like that. Um, so we, uh, no, I mean, I think it was from the first year, we just kind of had a feeling out process. I mean, there's a lot that goes into the being a captain, and I think, uh, you know, for me, coming in here and being an alternate captain, um, and being around the league for a long time and playing in a lot of different playoff series and being in a lot of big games, you know, I try to just bring my experience and do the right things day in and day out and try to help the younger guys that maybe haven't been in that situation. I, you know, I know over my course of my career, I've had lots of guys uh, from my time in Dallas, from Brad Richards, Brendan Morrow, Mike Medano, to going to Pittsburgh with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and then being in Nashville with Shea Weber and then Mike Fisher. And, you know, these are our big-time big-time players and, uh, you know, great leaders. So I've learned a lot from them and um, try to bring that into my daily game. And, um, you know, so I try to, uh, you know, we have a lot of guys that uh, are kind of captains and and lead by example. And, um, you know, we have a great leadership group here. So uh, when you have that and you have a good uh, good foundation in your room, then, um, you know, it carries over onto the ice. What can you take from your experience last year with the Preds to help your team? I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think uh, I think it's a combination of the, the years that I, I've built and uh, what I've done in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the last eight years. I think you learn every year. You learn a lot about your team. You learn a lot about yourself. And um, you know, it's just kind of staying in the moment. I think uh, there's a lot of different things that go in. You got to be healthy. You got to have the right matchups. Um, and you got to be uh, scoring big goals at the right time. And you got to have big saves at the right time. And I think. Um, as we go along here, we've had that. we got to continue to have that if we want to win. But as long as you instill the belief in each guy in this room and believe that we can win, then, um, you know, it, it can happen. So I think as we've gone along here, guys are continuing to buy in and really believe in that uh, we have something special in this locker room and that we can, uh, you know, go all the way. Yeah, and, you know, you got the you got the possibility of, of seeing seeing Nashville. Has you, have, you, have you closed your eyes and thought of the possibility of that incredible year journey? Like, 300 and it won't be 365 be like 360 days between when you got the call and you could be skating around the ice with the most historic trophy in all of sports like think about that year 
that is still potentially out there for you? Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely something you can think about and dream about a little bit. But, uh, you know, I've been having so much fun this year and having so much fun with my teammates that kind of just trying to enjoy it and stay in the moment. Don't uh, I mean, everyone says you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. And, you know, that's the way you have to be. You can't be looking uh, at what could happen. I think you just got to kind of put your head down and do the work. And if that happens, then, you know, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. But uh, that being said, I think... Uh, we have a lot of work to be done, but it would be uh, pretty crazy to be playing against, uh, you know, the old team. And who knows in a game seven what could happen. And um, but we'll see. Whoever we play, we'll be uh, ready to go. Uh, you can't tell me though that you don't want. To, I mean, okay, let's just uh, honest with me. Does it matter who you play? Well, I, told you, I told you I was being honest with you. you don't have to keep I, telling me I'm not, not going to be not honest with you. I know. Right? I, I just I, I don't want you to think you're getting. I don't. I, I don't. You won't get in trouble. Like we had to fight to try and get you on. It was a big thing to get you on. Right, we're like, dude, we want, we we want Neil because of all that he's done and the possibility that he's going to see the Preds. They leave you unprotected, so I, I I'll just ask you, you want to see the Preds, don't you? Uh, you know what? I just went. We just I just played the I just played the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. That was the team I came from. Right. So I have, maybe I have a little experience playing against the old team. Hopefully, it doesn't turn out the way it did against Pittsburgh. But um, yeah, I mean. Anyone loves to play their old team, so um, yeah, whoever whoever it is. But if it's the Predators, I'll be more than jacked up to play them and go up against the old uh, old teammates and I guess try to show them what they're missing, huh? Yeah, no question. That's 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 you wouldn't have gotten where you've gotten had you not had that type of competitive spirit. Yeah. Hey, man, I mean, that's a, that's the drive you play with each day, and uh, you know I want to win bad here, and we got a great group, so thank you. Then you got to close them out grab the catfish, right, and then, like, cut off the head of the catfish as you ride around the ring. That's what you got. Sorry, I, I might have gotten a little ahead of myself. That's all right. Yeah. As long as you're on it. Thanks, James. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, see you, man. James Thank Neal you. joining us from the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Can you imagine that, right? They leave you unprotected. They're like, eh, we like him, but, you know, you want to draft him, fine. Take him. He's 30. We'll get somebody new. And then you get a shot at him. You get a shot at your team in the Stanley Cup, in the in the uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Conference Finals. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you I'm a hockey guy, but there is one time a year where I am a hockey guy, and that's when Stanley Cup champion is crowned, and they ride around the ice. With the cup. Everybody gets a lap. That's pretty badass. Right? Badass. But if I were to have played in Nashville and then I'm in Vegas, I would definitely have a, like somebody, and I'm about to close out the series, like somebody give me a catfish. Then I'm like slice the head off a catfish with my skate and drink the blood as I ride around the ice. No? Too much? Too much? kind of guy i am online car shopping it can be confusing not anymore true price from true car now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car visit true car you'll enjoy more confident car buying experience bring in deb carson are you a hockey gal i have become a hockey gal and i am a a playoff hockey gal for sure so that's uh, no. no well i wasn't growing up no I, not not no, but you're like i like playoff hockey it's yeah like, ah, I, no. I like seeing champions no 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 but and i love to go to games in person but i'm not one who sits at home every night and uh, and watches hockey on tv i'm definitely a football girl first Ho- yep. hockey would be about four on my list i think 
But listen, like this, this is a weird year, right? Like the Caps have finally gotten past the Penguins. Yeah. That never happens. Or you get the Caps, you know, the chance for the Preds to get back or the Knights. Like, can you imagine? It's exciting. If, can you imagine if the Washington Capitals get all the way to the final, right? Alex Ovechkin's you know, never, never done anything, right? <laughs> and now he's going to face like the Las Vegas Golden Knight, like a team that was just kind of made up like ten months ago, and they still can't can't get over the hump. That would be that would be beautiful. He gets taken out by a bunch of scrubs. Yes. Yeah. Well, we talked about this a little earlier. The league heard and denied Saints running back Mark Ingram's appeal on his four game suspension. His agent David Jones says Ingram had permissible with proper use exemption for the substance. He Wait, also is. is, is his agent's name is Davy Jones? David Jones. Davy Jones. A VIP sports management. Okay. Uh, but he said also the substance was neither performance enhancing nor illegal. Uh, nonetheless, Ingram sitting out for four games. Buccaneers, Browns, Falcons, and Giants are the games he will miss. He'll be back on the active roster October 1st. Brandon Marshall, the receiver, meeting with the Seahawks today. Shane Larkin will miss the Celtics game tonight against the Sixers. Boston trying to close it out in Game 5. They will have Jalen Brown playing. He's still dealing with a hamstring issue. He will be on a minutes restriction. Meanwhile, we talked about this earlier as well. Reds walked off the Mets 2-1 in 10 innings, courtesy of a solo home run by Adam Duvall. In the loss, New York was penalized for batting out of order in the first inning. Met skipper Mickey Calloway took responsibility. It was just an administrative thing that, that I didn't take care of. Um, you know, I, I got to double check, triple check, and quadruple check, uh, you know, what's put on there and what's put on the board. So if you could visualize this flow chart, Wilmer Flores batted second, Asdrubal Cabrera batted third, but the lineup card that was given to the ump had Cabrera second and Flores third. And uh, Callaway went on to say there are two cards, actually. One's handwritten, and he said that one was correct. But the one printed out on the computer, the one that's given to the umps, that was the one that was wrong. And it's frustrating. Um, you know, it could have. It probably cost us a game. Yep. We had a chance to uh, score in the first, and we didn't. Yep. And it did. It would have. Uh, well, I mean, listen, there were two outs at the time. Two out double, yeah. runner second. But look, here's here's what it feels like to me. The handwritten card was right. The computer card was wrong. I don't see Mickey Calloway going, you know, finger you know, tapping with his fingers to type it out. Right. I think he's taking the bullet for, for somebody else, for somebody else yeah. who incorrectly filled out the card. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Nonetheless, the Mets have now lost seven of their last eight. Uh, Indians beat down the Brewers today as well, 6-2. Carlos Carrasco threw a complete game, struck out 14, and Tyler Naquin hit a three-run shot in the win for the Tribe. Awesome. Thank you, Deb. You bet. The great Deb Carson joining us. The road ahead, bound to take some unexpected turns. Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Uh, I I, got to do something here real quick before we we play the uh, uh, what what would the Fox do. Um, My friends Nick Wright and Colin Cowherd have made a habit out of doing this 15-season-in thing for LeBron James because he's doing things which are unprecedented. And I do think that playing NBA basketball for 82 games is more taxing than playing college basketball seasons. I'm not, I'm not disputing that. It's remarkable what he's done in terms of longevity. But it is completely and totally disingenuous what they're both doing. He's 33 years old, correct? That, that's how old LeBron James is? When Michael Jordan was 33 years old, he led the NBA in scoring. He won the NBA championship. 
he was the best player in the NBA. So what what they're they're doing that thing. Right? Jordan took a year and a half off in the prime of his career. We'll never know if he would have won eight in a row. We have no idea. And I know he was there. He did lose the ball against the Orlando Magic, a super talented team that lost in the NBA Finals to the Houston Rockets. Uh, maybe he doesn't win the next three had he not taken that time off to kind of recharge after the death of his father. We don't know that. But it's completely disingenuous to say, we've never seen anybody do it at this age. Like, yes, we have. Michael Jordan did. Uh, was Magic Johnson starting to fade? Maybe, but we robbed of Magic Johnson because he had HIV. But the idea of 33 years old, 33 years old, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was still kicking ass. At 33 years old, Michael Jordan was still kicking ass. At 33 years old, LeBron James is still kicking ass. Clay Travis thinks all the pressure is on the Rockets against the Warriors. Give you my thoughts. Next. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Wait to hear what John Mara, owner of the Giants, had to say about OBJ. Get to that top of next hour. Plus, Matt Holiday will join us next hour. We'll talk about uh, the continued struggles of John Carlos Stanton, uh, the dominance of Mookie Betts. How how Mookie Betts got 13 home runs? The Axe Bats? Is that what it is? The Axe Bats? Is that what it is? Uh, we'll talk with Matt Holiday, World Series champion, a seven-time uh, Silver Slugger, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger. Uh, Chris Broussard will join us next hour as well. Talk some hoops first, though. And now, <laughs> what does the fuck say? every day on the Doug Gottlieb Show, I play for you a portion of a show previously on Fox Sports Radio. The road ahead is bound to take some unexpected turns. Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. Know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Here's Clay Travis, his thoughts on the Warriors facing off against the Rockets. There's a lot at stake here. I would say more so for the Rockets. And that might sound a little bit crazy, but the Golden State Warriors have won two out of the last three NBA championships. Kevin Durant's already got a championship. Yes, there would be a lot of uh, glee, I think, in general, if the Warriors lost to the Rockets, and certainly individually for Chris Paul and James Harden, it would be huge. But I don't think there would be that much criticism raining down on the Golden State Warriors. They'd still be a really good team, especially if they lost in, say, seven games. Uh, And they don't have home court advantage, and the Rockets won 65 games in the regular season. I think there's actually a lot at stake for the Houston Rockets, because neither Chris Paul nor James Harden has proven they can really win a big series with all of the attention foisted upon them. Uh, That's fair. Okay, that's fair. On the other hand, do you consider the San Antonio Spurs a dynasty? It's a question. Do you consider the San Antonio Spurs a dynasty? I would say the answer is no. Why? Because they never won back-to-back years. Right? And to not win back-to-back years when your team is fully healthy. There is no injury excuse as of now. To not win back-to-back years would not allow this team to claim itself to be a dynasty. And would also say the Durant thing, because the idea is, and I know the reality of, like, look, Harrison Barnes wasn't Kevin Durant, but he wasn't chopped liver. He wasn't. He was a good player. Good, very young player. 
um, that the difference wasn't enough to win. To it was not even not even get to the NBA Finals to lose in the Western Conference Finals. That that does not appear to be good enough. Additionally, it would I think it would show it'd be a lesson that a team can't just turn it on and turn it off whenever they want to turn it on and turn it off. So yeah, I think there's a substantial amount of pressure on the on the Warriors here. He what what Clay is saying is in fact true about um about Chris Paul and about James Harden. They haven't ever won a series of substance. That, that he ain't lying. And I'm an ardent defender of Chris Paul, even with the choke job when he was with the Clippers and it was a two two series tie game five in Oklahoma City and the Thunder had a fifteen were down fifteen and came back and won. And that was the end that was that was basically that. Um, so look, I'm a defender of Chris Paul's, but even I'm realistic to know, like, he ain't won big series. But in the grand scheme of things, when you're trying to say you have a dynasty, if you can't win back-to-back years, hell, if you can't get to the finals in back-to-back years with Kevin Durant in his prime, Steph Curry in his prime, Clay Thompson in his prime, Draymond Green in his prime, historically, it won't be, it, you won't be smiled upon. So I do think there's a substantial, probably equal, and maybe even greater amount of pressure on the Golden State Warriors. Holiday's joining us up next, so I want to get to this story here real quick. And this does relate to baseball. Uh, Giants co-owner John Mara is happy these days. Uh, he's happy the team landed Saquon Barkley. I love that it's it's uh, consensus best player in the draft. Like, what consensus had Saquon Barkley as best? I like Saquon Barkley a lot, but I've never heard consensus best player in the draft. Happy's got Odell Beckham Jr. in attendance at the Giants offseason program. Beckham wants a new contract. He's going to play for $8.5 million on the fifth year of his rookie deal. Here's a great quote, though. Quote, I wouldn't say there's a sense of urgency. The contract will get done when it's supposed to get done. I think that Dave, that is like Dave Gettleman's line. I think I'll adopt that line. All spring, all summer, as long as it takes. The idea is this, that, um, Morris goes on. It's not the first contract negotiation we've had. It will get done when it's supposed to get done. Just so you know, the Giants still have a hand in this relationship. You guys remember from Seinfeld, the hand really who's got hand in the relationship. Still got a hand. Because if OBJ chooses to not sign the deal, they franchise tag him. And if he chooses to not sign the next year's deal, they franchise tag him. So he's still under club control. They're not getting rid of Odell Beckham Jr. It'll get done when it's supposed to get done. He missed most of last season. He missed a quarter of his first season. He's been ridiculously productive. They want to have him around the Giants. He's got some adjusting to do in terms of his persona, his personality, and he's got to adjust in terms of the dollars that he believes he's worth. And all of that said, if he doesn't, it's fine. Giants will resign him under a franchise tag deal for the next couple of years. It's a very balanced and very honest way. And if you think it's not that way, well, then you got an issue with the collective bargaining agreement, not with John Mara. The evil empire appears to be back on track. Uh, and this without John Carlos Stanton. Plus, is what Mookie Betts doing sustainable? We'll catch up with our friend Matt Holiday. Talk some baseball next on the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. A great spring. Getting ready for a great summer. 
We are waiting, absolutely waiting for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We told you before, this is uh, this is like for the for the Rockets. It's like, hey, all that stuff was fun. Now you're getting to the real married life. Now you get into a series to which other another team has as much or more more firepower than you do. A team that you might struggle to match up against, and a team that has been there and actually done that in the past. So fascinated to see what that series actually looks like when it comes to be. Uh, keep an eye on day baseball. Weirdest thing happened today. The Mets apparently hit out of order, right? In things that happen in Little League and AAU that don't seem to happen in Major League Baseball and in the NBA, like in AAU ball, and a lot of you guys have have kids that play AAU basketball. I I encourage you to follow AAU Bingo, at AAU Bingo on Twitter. I got hilarious stuff that happens. But youth basketball, almost always somebody forgets to start the clock, right? The clock! Start the clock! Like, it almost never happens in real. And you never see, and, and in baseball sometimes, you'll see guys hit out of order or a player. This this happens quite often to my son's 9- and 10-year-old team. Like, kids like, Coach, I got to pee. Like, it's the middle of the inning. And they just leave. And somebody runs out there and covers shortstop until the kid gets back, and we're good, and we and we move on. But you uh, sometimes, I mean, maybe you see a guy hit out of order. Happened today with the Mets. And it could have cost them a run. Runner at second base, first inning, two outs. And the Mets apparently had turned in a different lineup card that was computer-written as opposed to handwritten. A guy who's won a World Series, played in another, and, of course, is a seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, joins the show. Matt Holiday joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Have you ever seen that happen in a professional baseball game? I have not. And usually, before the game, the bench coach goes over that like three or four times. You'll see him hold his card up against the one on the wall that they take for the players and he'll check it. And then he'll have the manager check it. And there's so many checks that it's hard to fathom that it happened. So I've never seen it. And then they rolled out the next inning and there was confusion about who was supposed to start the next inning. Um, sort of a microcosm of some of the <laughs> Mets recent struggles, but, uh, it was, uh, not pretty. Yeah, but it was not, not it was not it was not Matt Harvey. We can't can't blame it on Matt Harvey anymore. We can't go like, hey, Matt Harvey was hungover and he filled out two lineup cards and he didn't know. Like Matt Harvey's a red now. This is a but it's the Mets and people in baseball are like, Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. Actually, maybe they were playing the Reds. He sabotaged the whole deal. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a I don't know. Altogether maybe. altogether possible. Let me let me ask you kind of quickly about Harvey. He goes from one of the bright young stars in Major League Baseball to being kind of a punchline for a bunch of jokes in New York, demoted to the bullpen, and now and now sent for position player to the Cincinnati Reds. Um, how much you were in New York last year? How much of there was there whispers that, that there were off the field stuff that was keeping him from achieving uh, what he should? Yeah, I think everybody heard. It wasn't just last year. Um, I think everybody around the league was talking about some things. You know, when he showed up late for practice, or, or I don't remember exactly the scenario, but I think it was the playoffs. Yeah, I, it might have even been the NLCS or maybe even the World Series yeah. before the World Series was a, was a practice, and he he actually didn't show up late. He well, he was like two hours late. He basically called in. And he said he was sick. Yeah, I I, I mean I, I think everybody had heard that he was he was into into doing things at night and was into the nightlife and into the into the scene of New York and that might affect his preparation and, and 
I, I mean, I don't know how much of it is the thoracic outlet and, and not being able to regain his velocity that he's used to pitching with, or maybe his work ethic, or um, you know his nightlife. How much that affects uh, velocity? To me, the real problem is is that whatever it is, it causes velocity from being in the high 90s to the low to mid 90s, and his fastball straight. He throws lots of four seamers, and he hasn't really changed his pitch pattern. So he's still trying to pitch like he did when he had the high 90s fastball and the, and the 90 mile an hour slider, and all those things have come down, and he's still pitching as if those things exist. And to me, he's either got to, to, to get involved, like change his, his patterns and start pitching backwards, pitching uh, using his off-speed pitches a lot more, or he's got to develop a cutter or a sinker and, and, and start moving his fastball around. It's, it's to me, it's just not good enough. It's you know what it's like. It's a it's almost like a Des Bryant thing, right? Like Des yeah. Bryant used to be able to get away with. He didn't run great routes. He wasn't a great blocker, but Des Bryant would just compete and out jump you and could maybe outrun you, but when you lose a step athletically, now all of a sudden all those little things that you don't do become become problems as opposed to things that we can brush off. This, is that the same with Matt Harvey? Whereas, like, look, if you don't, if your thing does, if your pitch doesn't move that much in your high nineties, it doesn't really matter if you can locate. Whereas when you get to low to mid nineties, now all of a sudden you better have some late movement, otherwise guys see it and they're going to hit it. Exactly, and that's the problem. At 98, if you throw it down the middle, a lot of guys will foul it off or swing through it. At 94, they smash it. And so your margin for error is much smaller when the velocity comes down. His fastball's never moved a lot, but it's always had that late life. Uh, he can pitch up in the zone. He can throw his fastball on fastball counts. And then he had his 90-mile-an-hour nasty slider. He had a curveball you know, and a changeup that he could use. And to now, you know, I think his fastball percentage is – are too high for for what it you know what what kind of fastball he has. He's not using his his changeup and his slider and his breaking ball enough. And like I said, he's got to change something. Like you said, Des Bryant, he's he's got to reinvent himself. You know, CC Sabathia used to throw 98, 96 with a nasty slider and didn't really. Now he's he's pitching in the low 90s. He's cutting the ball. He sinks the ball. He changes it up. He changes on it. He's learned how to really pitch with what he has, and he's still really effective. So I think Matt Harvey could still be really effective, but he's got to change his patterns. And, and, and I think that somebody's got to get to him and get in his ear and say, hey, look, man, you got to change some things up. Off the field, you got to learn to pitch a little bit with different stuff. you got to try to sink the ball. There's got to be some kind of change because right now if he just stays with what he's doing, it's, it's not going to get any better. Matt Holiday joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. And now he's at a place like Cincinnati, which is a absolute launching pad, right? Like, dude, yeah. you better get some movement. You better get that ball down. You mentioned CC Sabathia. Uh, the Yankees have been unbelievable, right? I mean, r- just on a ridiculous tear, and they're doing it. Stanton still not really hitting. What what by your estimation has changed the team that's won seven in a row? But even kind of more impressively than that, just gone on an absolute tear and uh, lost one game over like the last three weeks. You know, I think it's it's. They can do everything. They've got, you know, when the hitting's not going great, their pitching can carry, and their starting pitching's been solid. Their bullpen, I think, you know, started out a little bit slow, but they have the horses in the bullpen that, you know, ultimately was going to be a dominant bullpen. So they can really beat you a lot of different ways, and they have so many guys uh, in that lineup that can beat you on a different night. You know, they've almost every guy in their lineup could could get you for a homer or two every night, and so. The depth of their lineup 
just kind of over wears you down and eventually gets you. And, and, you know, they've got some mojo going, they've got, they're finding ways to win late in games. And, um, you know, they've got a good mix of veteran leadership and young players. And, uh, I think, you know, it started last year. They've got a really good feeling in the clubhouse. I think Aaron Boone has done a, a good job of coming in and kind of seamlessly taking over. And, uh, it's, there's just a really, really talented team. I mean, they've had some injuries and they've got minor league guys that can come up and fill in. Glenn Torres is going to be a star. Uh, they just, Really a deep organization and, and a super talented roster that, that ultimately is, is going to win out. They're going to have little blips here and there, but ultimately that over a long season, they're going to win a ton of games. Uh, Mookie Betts has, has had an unbelievable start to the season. I said, like, look, a dude that small, 13 bombs, has got to be the baseballs. Of course, Axe Bats follows me on Twitter, and they're like, nah, it's the Axe Bats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, they sent one, and Hayes – Hayes couldn't even, he barely made contact last night. Some kid was throwing gas last night. Um, so, so what is it? How, how is, I mean, Mookie Betts is a little dude with a, a prodigious amount of power. How sustainable is this for Mookie? You know, he's got a lot of fast twitch. And, you know, you don't have to be a big guy to hit home runs, but he uses what he has really well. He, he's got that rubber band effect with his body. So his body, his hands go back. And he's got a little bit of a, you know the body coming forward, and he creates a, a rubber band effect. When you have that kind of fast pass twitch, most you know uh, uh, strength, uh, he's an incredible athlete. Um, I, I think it's is he a forty home run hitter? I don't think so. But is he could he hit twenty five uh, a year for the next ten years? I think he can, and especially at that park, um, you know where you, if, if it's high enough and you hit it decent, it's going over the monster. Um, he's just a really talented player. He's not big, but he is quick, and his body is is super uh, springy, and and he creates a lot of torque in his swing, which is ultimately the most important thing. As you go back and look, not all the greatest home run hitters were the biggest dudes. Uh, Some of them were, but um, a lot of them weren't that big of guys, but they they know how to hit the ball in the air and and use their bodies effectively, and that's, to me, what I see with him. It looks like his swing is a little tighter. Uh, his hand motion is not as quite as dramatic this year, and I think he's getting the barrel of the ball a little more consistently. Um, Albert hit his three had his three thousand hit last week, and it's it's really kind of a fascinating thing, right? Like, look, I grew up you know ten minutes from the stadium. I'm an Angel fan, but even Angel fans be like, yeah, he's still kind of a Cardinal, even though I mean it's mm-hmm. been over a half a decade he's been here. So it's a weird thing for him to to accomplish this feat, and yet it. He's, it's never really hit as far as him being an angel. And of course, now his production is way down. So his on-base percentage is, you know, is two eighty-five. Um, look, you you watch this guy in batting practice. You've watched this guy in games in the biggest of games. For, from from a hitter's perspective, what's made him arguably the greatest hitter of this generation? First of all, when you think about it, I mean, three thousand hits and six hundred and twenty homers. I mean, that's just crazy. And, you know, I think part of the, the situation with, with the Angels fans or maybe even, you know, just it, it not getting maybe the, the run that it should, that the 3,000 hits for him, and he did spend a huge chunk of his time in St. Louis. And I think it would be a made a bigger deal had he stayed with St. Louis and, and, and ultimately got 3,000 hits with St. Louis. Um, but his, his consistency, especially for those first 10 years in the league, uh, the numbers are crazy. Maybe the best of all time, tenure tenure run to start a career. I mean, he just three thirty with thirty to forty and one hundred and twenty every year in a in a pretty good pitcher's ballpark. 
Um, his consistency in the cage every day. He shows up ready to work. He, he's, he's got a tremendous feel uh, for how to hit, for how to use the whole field. Specifically as a younger player, he used to hit the ball to all fields a little more than he does now. Now he's primarily pulling the ball. But in his, in his younger years, he would drive the ball to right center. Somebody I love to watch hit. And he just he just knew how to hit the ball in the gaps, and his swing was very easy, like simple and easy to repeat. And he's really strong, gifted, and and a hard worker. When you combine uh, a natural gift with a tremendous work ethic and and a and a very smart hitter, um, this is this is the kind of thing you end up with. Okay, I, I I grew up thinking Tony Gwynn was the greatest hitter of a baseball I've ever seen. Is Albert Pujols the greatest hitter of a baseball? Like who's the like if I say Matt Holiday, you've You've won a World Series. Like, you're one of the best hitters of your generation. Who's the best hitter guy you've ever seen hit a baseball? In Albert's prime, he was, like, that 10-year run, it was, it was incredible. Like, just the way his bad games were one for three with a walk. Like, that was his bad games. You know, I mean, he would, he would, just, he would just find way, and he came up clutch, or, you know, people that clutch, whatever. Late in games, he had big hit after big hit, home, big home run after big home run. And to me, um, I saw Barry Bonds at the end, you know, a couple of those years at the end where he was unbelievable, where really if he threw a strike, he hit it on the fence. So uh, of, of the couple of guys that I, I've seen and played with, those two come to mind. And, and right now, I think you talk about Mike Trout and what you're watching right now, I think you're ultimately watching one of the greatest players of all time in front of our face right now. Um uh, what about this Bryce Harper thing leading off and getting getting six walks like that? That's an it, it's interesting. Like, is that a new analytics thing? Like, just because I yeah you know, I, I use that in in like the idea of if Mustang like put your best hitter at the top of the lineup, you know, get him on base more, especially now with guys striking out so much more. Like, wh- why do we? There's not there's not true leadoff hitters. Nobody bunts anymore to get on base. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Harper leading off? I think right now. You know, I mean, it's fine. I mean, they put him there. He was slumping. They put him in leadoff. I think if you put him anywhere, he's Bryce Harper. Eventually, he's going to hit. So, like, if they had put him in the eight hole, he was he was due to start hitting. And so, while he's gotten hot in the leadoff hole, well, he was due to get hot no matter where you put him. Like, he's Bryce Harper. He's going to go his little slumps. Eventually, he comes out of them and he starts hitting homers. And he he is who he is. But I, I think you know, I like the two hole a little better. I mean, I I just hate. When when you have your your guy your key run producer and he's not batting second third or fourth, um, I, I think they're doing it partially because a lot of their their top of the order guys are hurt right now and Rendon and, and uh, I think there's one more that's hurt. Um, I, I think it's obviously temporary. Uh, it's fine if you're trying to get him to spark him, but I think you know soon he goes back to the three hole and and you in a more traditional spot where. Uh, he has a chance to drive in a few more runs with guys getting on in front of him. Uh, that that you know, I, you know, I think they're going to get back uh, Murphy and right. I think they have one more guy that's out. But anyway, I, I just think it's it's a temporary thing. It's people are talking about it, but he'll be back hitting third, I think, soon. All right, last thing, kind of quickly. Uh, Dodgers go to the World Series, but but lose in Game Seven. And we've seen this before. We saw it last year from the Cubs where their bullpen is is fried. But mm-hmm. now you got Kershaw's on the DL. You got all kinds of injuries. Um, is this just carryover for the World Series, or is is this you know regression regressing to the mean? Like what what? How do you go from an incredibly dominant team last year to fifteen and twenty and just you know just struggling around, putzing around here early in the season? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some of it could be that. I think the Kershaw thing, you know, he's been battling with some, some things for the last couple of years. Um, I, I think you can't predict your shortstop uh, having a Tommy John surgery. I mean, that's just a freak injury, I think. I don't think that has anything to do with playing deep into the season. So losing Seager, your best player for the whole season this early, it's kind of deflating. I mean, it takes the wind out of your sails. Um, I think uh, they haven't had Justin Turner the whole season, who is arguably their, their most consistent hitter. Um, so being without your two, your sort of your three and four hole hitters or your two and three hole hitters, uh, it puts a lot of pressure on a guy like Bellinger and some of these younger players. And Yassel, Yassel Puig hasn't, hasn't been who he was last year. And, uh, they had a lot of guys sort of underperforming. I think last year they had a lot of guys have career seasons, mm-hmm. especially on their pitching staff uh, with Hill. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that their pitching staff is, is maybe as good as they pitched last year. And I don't know. I mean, they, they lost Morrow. Uh, I, I don't think they replaced him. With, with a good enough replacement. So I, I don't think their roster is, is as good as the Diamondbacks and even the Rockies, uh, but particularly without, without Seager and, and, uh, and maybe Kershaw. Matty, great stuff, dude. Incredible insight. Can't tell you how much I, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Matt Holliday, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Road ahead is bound to take some unexpected turns. Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Chris Broussard joins the show upcoming next. Get his thoughts on the Sixers and whether or not moving Ben Simmons off the ball is going to allow them to continue playing the season. Big game tonight in Boston. We'll preview it next. But first, Mother's Day is this Sunday. You're like, oh, wow, this Sunday what don't worry, I got you covered. Okay, perfect gift. It's called Sherry's Berries. You're like, oh, I've heard of Sherry's Berries. $19.99 plus shipping and handling, or check this out, $10 more, you get double the berries. What kind of berries? Fresh, juicy strawberries dipped in milk, dark, white, chocolatey goodness. And then they top it with rich chocolate chips, chopped nuts, and signature swizzles. It's awesome. You choose the delivery date, and it's guaranteed. Hurry in, order today, because Mother's Day is just one, two, three, four. Five days away. Five days away. There's only one way to get this amazing deal for mom. Freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99 plus shipping and handling. And remember, you can double that order for $10 more, right? Talking $29.99. This is not crazy talk. You're not going, you're not buying things that that bling, but buying something that you'll like, that tastes good. And by the way, you'll get to snack on too. Remember, double that order for $10 more, $19.99. Go to berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner. Enter my code, Doug. D-O-U-G. Pretty easy, right? Berries.com. The code is Doug. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Chris Broussard is going to join us in moments. Uh, get his thoughts on tonight's game. Uh, well, also I got to get his thoughts on who the, who the pressure is on. I think there's a little bit more pressure on the Warriors than people give credit. I, re- I really do. Um, also, um, could this run with LeBron? Could it be enough to keep him in, in Cleveland? A lot of interesting. And what, what will the Thunder do with Russell Westbrook? I, I, I love when people say like, well, you know, I talk to people around the NBA, Zach Lowe, he's good at his job. 
But people who say I would consider trading Russell Westbrook first, I would consider trading anybody. I, I, the word consider is such an ambiguous term. I would consider anything. But I always love when people who don't have Russell Westbrook and probably will never have Russell Westbrook tell other people what to do with Russell Westbrook. Like, oh, I would consider trading him. That's great. You're not in Oklahoma City who won't get another superstar otherwise. Get to Broussard in a second. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore. With True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So if it's a True Car, you'll get a more confident car buying experience. Get to Deb Carson. All right. We're about two and a half hours away from tip-off in Boston. Game five. Sixers and Celtics. Boston leads the series three games to one. Shane Larkin out because of a sprained left shoulder. Jalen Brown will play for Boston but remains on a minutes restriction. Jets and Predators getting set for their game seven in Nashville on the ice. That's an eight Eastern puck drop with the series knotted at three games apiece. Meanwhile... The Reds walked off the Mets 2-1 in 10 innings, courtesy of a solo home run by Adam Duvall. Mets have lost seven of their last eight games. The controversy in this one, New York penalized for batting out of order in the first inning. The handwritten lineup card was correct, but the computer-generated lineup card given to the umps, not so much. How 9,000. Blame how 9,000 on that one. <laughs> Carlos Carrasco got the win, went the distance, struck out 14, Tribe won at Milwaukee 6-2. Anthony Rizzo having himself a day, three hits, Five RBI, including a three-run bomb. Cubs right now lead the Marlins 13-3, bottom of the eighth. And, Doug, when former athletes retire, many go into coaching, broadcasting, insurance, real estate. But former Major League great and Hall of Famer Andre Dawson... The Hawk. ...has owned and operated a funeral home for the last 10 years. In a USA Today piece, 63-year-old Dawson revealed he drives hearses, consoles mourners, coordinates more than 100 funeral services a year, and he says he and his wife, who operate... The home have found peace, purpose, and perspective. Where in Chicago? It is business is good in Chicago. No, in in Florida, actually. Well, and business in good in Chicago, in Florida as well. Heaven's waiting room, you know. But uh, <laughs> awesome, the Hawk, one of the most beloved guys. Remember, I I think he was on the worst team ever to have an MVP. Right? They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah the the Hawk, uh, Andre Dawson. By the way, here's one other note: Tyrese Maxey, super talented five star guard from uh, from the state of Texas, committed to Kentucky. He's a 2019, but some people think he may reclassify 2018. So all kinds of sports taking place. Deb uh, will rejoin us in a moment. The, the great Deb Carson along for the Doug Gottlieb show for the last couple of days. Let's bring in Chris Broussard, Fox Sports 1. Fox Sports knows all things NBA, as well as co-hosting a tremendous show uh, on the weekends here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Chris Broussard is joined by Rob Parker every Sunday, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll recap the entire weekend, and in this case, they'll preview Warriors-Rockets Game 1. I want to get to Warriors-Rockets Game 1 in a second. Let's get to Game what is it? Blah, 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 5 tonight, right? 5 in Boston. Is the T.J. McConnell move enough to get Philadelphia to force this thing back to Philly? Well, I think they're going to have to come up with more than that because, you know, that obviously caught Boston off guard, changed the whole complexion of the game. And Brad Stevens will be ready for that tonight. And so I'm not saying there has to be now a counter move by Philly because, you know, Boston's going to counter. But um, they're just going to have – they can't rely on that, the energy that he brought uh, to get them over the hump. I think a lot of it for Philly – you know, look, I hope Philly extends this thing. I expect Boston to close them out because they're obviously much better at home. And they are on the road. They're one and four on the road in the playoffs. 
uh, that tends to happen with young teams and, and, you know, teams full of role players really don't have any superstars at this point. But I think a lot of it for Philly depends on their mindset because they should, like, I'm not convinced that they're not the better team. Uh, they could easily be up 3-1. We, they were up 22 points in game two. I think it was 22, but they were up big in game two, lost it. They clearly should have won game three, but for some boneheaded plays at the end of the game. And then you saw what happened in game four. They did win. If their mentality tonight is that we are the better team, we can win this series. If they think that way, I think they have a shot tonight. If it's more of, man, this thing is over, and game four they were just playing for pride so they didn't get swept by another team, young team, then I think uh, they'll be they, – they really won't make a good showing. But I'm interested to see how they come out because it will say a lot about the mental toughness of this young team. Uh, that's uh, Chris Broussard joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. I, I'm, I agree with you. What's, what's fascinating, really fascinating about this thing is that as much as Philadelphia has young players – so too do the Boston Celtics, yes. but they don't seem nearly as rattled by the moment in many ways as the Philadelphia 76ers. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, I, I, look, Brett Brown is a very good coach. Um, I, I, I think he's done a great job this year, but Brad Stevens is a superior coach. Um, he is, you know, so I think that's part of it. He just got his team so locked in and their, their execution uh, whether it's him calling an out-of-bounds play or just the players executing on offense and defense because that's the way they do it year-round. Um, I think that's a big factor. I also think one of their best players, like second, I guess at this point maybe the second best player or some would even say first best out of what they have right now, Al Horford is a veteran. Marquise Morris is, you know, uh, somewhat of a veteran. Um, and so I think that's the difference. J.J. Reddick's obviously a veteran, but he's never been like, you know, a team leader, a, a, a best player on the team or second best player on the team. You know, you got Bellinelli, Ilyasova, other guys who are veterans but aren't top players. Their top two players are young. Um, and then Covington is, is, you know, relatively young and certainly not experienced. And so I think that's uh, that's why that's the case. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Chris Broussard, uh, who's joining us. Of course, you can hear him 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time with Rob Parker every Sunday evening. Who do you think is more, more pressures on, Warriors or, or the uh, Rockets? That's a really good question. Uh, I mean, you typically would say, I think you typically say the defending champs, um, the Warriors, so I would tend to go with them just because you've got you've always got something to lose when you're the defending champ. They're not old, you know. They're, they're viewed as the best team in the league. They are the team with the four stars, and Kevin Durant went there to win, you know, tons of championships. So a lot of this would fall on him. I would if they lost this series, I wouldn't even be surprised to hear some backlash on Durant, not from Golden State organization or players. But just fans and, you know, commentators and things like that. Um, so I think the pressure is more on them. But Houston, there's some pressure on them, too. Even though they're the underdog, 
Um, you know, they've talked a lot this year. Daryl Morey said they are obsessed with Golden State. Uh, Clint Capella said they're the better team. Uh, I know for a fact, talking to somebody in Golden State, that they are revved up to play this series be- precisely because Houston's been talking so much trash. Uh, Mike D'Antoni has not he's, – he's viewed as a guy who can't get it done in the postseason. I think among active coaches, he's got the worst playoff record. Um, guys that have coached like 75 or more playoff games. Right, right. Um, you know, Harden is a guy that people have said, you know, has faltered in the clutch in the playoffs. Obviously, Chris Paul, they said the same thing. So while I have to say the defending champs always have more pressure, uh, there is a lot of pressure on Houston. They better play well and make this thing a tough series or they will get a lot of criticism. No, I, I also think that, you know, most people don't consider the Spurs a dynasty because they didn't win back-to-back years, and I think that will forever hurt the argument to the to the Warriors. Forget about not winning back-to-back if you don't get, even get to the finals in back-to-back years. Yeah, uh, they they would have gotten obviously the finals three consecutive years. But to be a dynasty, you got to win a back-to-back championships. That's what they've all done, except for the Spurs, and that's why I think the Spurs aren't held with the same level of acclaim as as others. I wanted to ask you, Chris, about LeBron. Is there any sense that you get that he's getting he's getting more joy from maybe even coming up short with this team as he would from winning with another team? Like, this will keep him in Cleveland even if he doesn't win at all because he's proving so many people wrong uh, because of the talent that's around him, he's lifting him up. You know what? I don't think so. Um, I think he's been great this postseason. Not, I'm not talking about his playing because that's obvious. But just his attitude. You know, we've seen over the years, particularly in the regular season, even this season, when LeBron is, you know, he stated the obvious and the truth with, look, we need more help, we need more playmakers, we need this or that. But it doesn't come off well. And it comes off like you're jumping on your teammates and criticizing them. Um, he's been great in this postseason in that regard. You know, talk about how he, it's impossible for him not to have faith in his team and, even when guys weren't playing well, he, you know, was taking the high road and saying that they all, including him, have to play better. So I think he's been great in that regard. But I also think that it, it depends. Look, they're playing well. If they could get to the finals and make it a series, like losing a tough seven or six or, you know, who know even win it, then I think your argument or that viewpoint might, and it might be the case that he would stay. But um, that's not the goal to get out of the East. You know, the goal for LeBron is to win championships. And if they go to the finals and, like many of us expect, get smashed again, 4-0, 4-1, whatever, I think even if he wants to stay, if winning is that important to him, now if he's just happy being at home, happy competing and playing at a high level and obviously getting the individual accolades that he's getting, then fine, he could stay. But if he really wants to win, like if that is burning in him to win more championships and they get hammered again, I hate to say it, but I almost think he has to leave because, you know, Philadelphia is only going to get better. Boston is obviously only going to get better. Milwaukee, I'm not, they're not on those teams level, but they're only going to get better. Like, this run could end next season in the Eastern Conference. 
Right. Like, it's not, you know, if LeBron doesn't have the help, this dominance of the East could end uh, quickly. And so I, I definitely don't think he wants that to happen. So I still think, uh, assuming they get beaten the finals badly, that he's probably on his way out. You think anything happened in Toronto? Man, uh, it's interesting because what you said about, you know, people around the league talking and all that <laughs> – um, with Westbrook, it is true. There, there. A lot of people expect Dwayne Casey to be the fall guy for this. Um, he's done a great job. You know that. I mean, they look. That roster is very similar to what they have in Washington and what they have in Portland. Two very good guards, and then a bunch of pretty good players around them. And he's been able to lift them to a number one seed, fifty nine wins. And they just can't get by one guy, LeBron James. It's as simple as that. However, so well, so I would say he is maximizing his talent. That said, the other re- there's two reasons you get rid of a successful coach. One, if he's not maximizing his talent, Casey is. And two, if you just feel like you need another voice. And that wouldn't be any type of indictment of Casey. Um, but they, I don't know that answer. I think Masai Ujiri, their, their president, uh, he's going to really look closely at that. And, you know, even for the fans, I mean, if you bring back the same team, how in- excited are your fans going to be about it? Um, will they be into it? And the one thing that might get them into it is a shakeup and the new coach because that creates new hope, even if you don't have the superstars to get further. Um, so I could see them doing it even though I don't think Dwayne Casey deserves anything like that because he's done a great job. Uh, last thing, I mentioned Westbrook. You know, I, I've, I've read Zach Lowe's piece. There's been, you discussed it, I know, with Cowherd on, on both of his shows earlier today. I just I don't see a way in which Oklahoma City, you can't be, you can't be the guy who trades Harden, who trades Oladipo, <laughs> who trades, I mean, Ibaka. Loses Durant. L- loses Durant and then trades Russell Westbrook. Like, you, you, can't, be, you can't be that guy. Uh, but what can you do? Now, you make a good point. I mean, look, and Sam Presley, we all know, is a very good GM. But he is living off of drafting Westbrook and Harden. Am I not right? You know, I mean, don't, because he did those two drafts, he got those two players in the draft. Ibaka as well, right? Ibaka, yeah, on a a lesser level, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Durant fell into his lap, um, so anyone would have done that. But, look, it was, for him to get Westbrook and and Harden and Ibaka was great, and he is still living off of that. Like, he's kind of beyond reproach because of those moves. And I get it. He's a good. He's a very good executive. However, you are absolutely right. Oklahoma City could go another twenty-five years without getting a player close to the caliber of Russell Westbrook. Is Russell Westbrook going to lead them to a championship? I would bet no. But he's a superstar. He keeps you relevant. He most likely keeps you in the playoffs. He keeps the fans in the stands because they love him because he showed loyalty. He saved them when Durant, you know, discarded that franchise. And, you know, and, and you do your best to build around him. Um, you know, I think you got to add three and D guys, try to go that route again. That probably doesn't win you a championship, 
but it can keep you relevant. With Westbrook, they're going to be on national TV. And if you if you go to rock bottom, get draft picks, and lose, there's no guarantee. I mean, look at Orlando. Look at Phoenix. Look at Sacramento. Look at Detroit. Look how long they've been in the lottery. It, it, Philadelphia is the aberration. This notion that let's get in the lottery and in a few years we'll be contenders or, or close, that's a rarity because, you know, Doug, even most lottery picks don't pan out. So I, I think you ride this horse as long as you can um, and try your best to build around him. And if it doesn't get you a title, so be it. Uh, but I, I definitely wouldn't think about moving him. Great stuff. Chris Broussard, check him out uh, Sunday evenings. They'll preview that Rockets I know pretty that Rockets, Warriors, and maybe there'll be more Sixers, uh, Celtics to talk about as well as all sports with Rob Parker, 690 Eastern Time on Fox Sports Radio. Chris Broussard. Chris, thanks so much. All right, Doug. Is Draymond Green a Hall of Famer? We'll discuss next. Online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Road ahead is bound to take some unexpected turns. Find Farmers Insurance can help you understand your coverage options with our practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. The Press. Deb Carson, what do you have? Warriors getting set for their Western Conference Finals matchup against the Rockets game. One coming up Monday in Houston. Coach Steve Kerr with a stellar roster, but he calls Draymond Green a future Hall of Famer. He's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, he's right in his prime right now, but this guy is uh, the perfect modern-day NBA big. You know, he can guard everybody. He can step out and make threes. He can... Handle the ball in transition. This is what this is what the NBA has become, and you have to have somebody like Draymond to to have a good team. So we're lucky to have. Him. Do I think he'll get into the Hall of Fame? Yes, probably. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer? Probably not. Um, but listen, Dennis Rodman made the Hall of Fame. Now it should be pointed out that Dennis Rodman won titles. Dennis Rodman is one of the greatest basketball players that doesn't get discussed in all time because he's the all time. Greatest role player. Right. Right. He won two titles with Detroit. He won a title. or I think he won one with San Antonio, and then he won three with the Chicago Bulls. And he, do, do he, you think he's not discussed because of his off-the-court antics? No, because he didn't score. Right. Because he did everything other than score. He defended and rebounded. Yeah. Uh, Draymond, Draymond's important. Will He better make shots. If he makes shots, they'll beat Houston because Clint Capella doesn't have anybody. He'll have to guard Andre Iguodala, which is a hard matchup, mm, right? Yeah. Um, he, he makes them a difficult cover because he can guard bigs and then stretch them out and pass the ball and occasionally make shots. Uh, do, do I think if he was on his own team, would they be a playoff team? No. He's a Hall of Fame role player. And right. if you can accept that, then, yeah, absolutely, you should be in. Yeah. Moving over to the East, the Philadelphia 76ers trying to pull off a magic trick this week and become the only team to rebound from an 0-3 deficit in a best-of-seven series. So, of course, it was only fitting last night that they have a mentalist at their team dinner. He executed some card tricks and some mind-reading exercises and even correctly guessed the identity of some players' ex-girlfriends. Wow. Ah. I like that. Do you believe a mentalist? I think some people probably have a gift. I think some people are also just cons. I, I think it's more the latter than the former, where they, 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 they completely understand that we give away all these, all these cues. Uh, and I also think that 
some of these dudes leave stuff on social media. Right. Uh, that's not a smart guy to can prepare for. <laughs> know your audience, right? Uh-huh. Uh, moving to the NFL, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones believes we will see a different Ezekiel Elliott in 2018. For the first time in his pro career, Elliott has no accusations or suspensions hanging over his head. Jones says there's no doubt Elliott will have his best year yet. He's the focal point of the offense, and with the loss of Des Bryant and Jason Witten, Zeke is the man. Elliot. Mm. <laughs> um, well, he's had his best year yet. He's only played a year and a half in right. the NFL, right? It's not like it's a 10 years. He's like, best year yet. Right. But if he's a junior in high school, junior year usually is the best year because senior year you got senioritis. Freshman year you're still a freshman. Sophomore you're kind of feeling your oats. I agree. It should be a great year for him. All right, sticking with the Cowboys, Jerry Jones also says despite the retirement of Jason Witten, Cowboys don't plan to pick up any of the talented veteran free agent tight ends available like Kobe Fleener, Mercedes Lewis. They already have several on their roster, and with the drafting of Dalton Schultz in the fourth round and David Wells as an undrafted rookie free agent, they are good to go at tight end. Uh, Yeah, they also have, uh, what's the kid's name, the former Baylor basketball player? Rico. Rico. yeah, Rico Gathers, who I think will, will play some. I think so. Yeah, Kobe Fleener can't play. That's why he's he's on the market. Mercedes. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis is... Uh, he's 43? Just, yeah, he's just a little bit long. A little bit long in the tooth. Probably soon to join us here at Fox Sports. Yeah. Radio. He's, he's that good. All right, we'll recap and review all of tonight's games. Maybe we'll get you ready for Eastern and Western Conference playoffs as uh, David Griffin's going to join us, former Cavs GM, and Rick Buecher will join us tomorrow. Plus, we'll drop another all ball at some point tomorrow as well. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center, Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DOUG. That's DOUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. There's plenty to celebrate in March and...
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free 